Do you all practice metta? Do you develop metta, bhavana? Do you know what that is, metta? What does that mean, that Pali word, metta? What's the meaning? Very kind. Yeah, kindness is a possible translation. Often called loving kindness, uh, friendliness. And metta is the attitude of wishing well. And having the intention that another being is happy and well and healthy and that they live a long time and that they are successful, that they are loved and appreciated, that they are cared for, that all their needs are fulfilled, that they are free from enmity in their heart, that they develop uh, the Dhamma to free themselves from all suffering. The wishing well to... To who? So metta means wishing well, loving kindness, the friendliness, goodwill. But to who? To our loved ones? To everybody, exactly. So you said everybody. Does it mean you have loving kindness for Putin? <laughs> but if I ask you, do you have loving kindness for Putin or hate? What would the Buddha recommend? Has the Buddha ever recommended that we should hate any living beings? No, yeah. So even if you may get into trouble by stating that publicly, hopefully not in a monastery, you should be able to say that you have loving kindness for Putin. Whoever has the latest bogeyman the propaganda presents to us as the worst Hitler ever, we are not buying into that because we understand that the teaching of the Buddha is unambiguous. It's not so difficult to have loving kindness to your friends and family, although even that can be tough, but it's a little bit easier. It's not so difficult to have loving kindness to those who are friendly to us. If someone is a really friendly, charming, young, attractive, and they really like us, it's quite difficult to get grumpy with them. But if someone is old, unattractive, grumpy, and constantly trying to hurt and harm you, to offend your feelings and those of your who love, those who you love, oh, that gets difficult, no? but there should be no distinction. Do you find it easy to have loving kindness to a koala? Quite easy, no? they're so cute, no? or panda, or maybe little Joey, little kangaroo. And bouncing around and about a cane toad. When you see a cane toad, is that your first response? May you be happy and well, may you live long, healthy and happily. 
What would the Buddha recommend when you see a cane toad? Exactly, loving kindness. When you see a cockroach, what do you do? Getting a shoe and punk. Is that what the Buddha would teach? Loving kindness. Dear cockroach, may you be happy and well. May you live long, healthy and happily. And may you live long, healthy and happily outside in the forest and not in my kitchen. That is okay. That is okay. It doesn't mean that you have to welcome the cockroach in your kitchen and in your bedroom. You can sweep them out or mentally request them to go out if they listen. It's quite fascinating that we have the Kanda Pavita. Do you all know the Kanda Pavita? The Pavita is a protective chant and Kanda refers to the five groups of clinging because what we you know, usually identify as this is I, this is me, this is myself. The Buddha simply called you know, the five aggregates, the five groups of clinging. The form, like our body, feeling, perception, intention and consciousness, the body and the four mental factor, mental factors. There's the four khandas, the four heaps, the four groups, which we latch onto and identify as I, me and mine. And usually we are afraid of snakes. And in the Buddha's time, it happened that in Savati, a monk got bitten by a snake and died. Now those days, now the, sometimes the snakes would even fall onto you. It can happen nowadays in tropical countries. I know of one monk who had a snake bite when he opened his umbrella. And there was a snake in the umbrella. So the snake dropped on him and then naturally the snake was very startled and bit. Or they may fall out and out of a thatched roof unintentionally and then they, even if the monk is very peaceful and not thinking uh, in terms of anger or is not attacking the snake or doing anything that may still happen. But when the other monks went to the Buddha and they told him, the Buddha actually said that this monk clearly has not really pervaded all the snakes with loving kindness. Because if the monk had practiced loving kindness to the four royal clans of snakes, he would not have died bitten by one. And then he gave the Kanda Pavita, the original protective chant given by the Buddha to the monks, especially to protect them from dying from snake bite. So it's a good one to know and if you ever end up walking in the dark without having a light. It's actually uh, quite rare to 
get attacked by a snake, but one possibility is if we accidentally step on one, and that can happen if we walk in the dark in the forest without light. So please always have a light when you walk in the dark. There are poisonous snakes here. Because in Hong Kong, you have also poisonous snakes? Or? Oh, really? Okay. But Australia, now out of the 10 most poisonous land snakes in the world, nine of those are in Australia. And that is rank one to nine. <laughs> so one can encounter poisonous snakes. But usually if you don't step on them, they... They are okay. It's not like they are rushing out of the bush to attack you. There's usually people touching them or stepping on them. No, but if you ever worried about that, no, we should recite the Kanda Pavita. It's basically just radiating loving kindness. No, my loving kindness to the Virupaka. In the Buddha's time, they classified snakes in four groups. And then uh, the Buddha is just telling the monks uh, to radiate loving-kindness to all four groups of snakes, including all of them. Vipers, adders, sea snakes, and bone snakes, or something like that, no? whatever way you classify them nowadays. And then he continues... My loving kindness to those beings without feet. And my loving kindness to those beings with two feet. And also to those with four feet. And to those with many feet. Do you have any of the kids here? No, the kids are all gone there. It's an interesting quiz for the kids. What is a being with no feet? A fish, for example. Maggots. Snakes, of course, as well. Two feet. I see quite a few in front of me. <laughs> Human beings come on a two-footed. So do birds. And probably kangaroos, depending whether you're count this as arms or legs for the kangaroos. Four feet. Plenty, you know, dogs and cats and so on. Many feet. Centipedes, millipedes. So it's a fascinating classification. But in the end, the classification doesn't matter so much because the loving kindness should be to all of them. And then the next is a uh, aspiration. May no beings without feet harm me. May those with two feet harm me not. May no being with four feet harm me. May those with many feet not cause me any harm. Sape sata, sape pana, sape kevala. All beings, all creatures, all living things. Sape Bhattani Pasantu Makanchi Papa Magama. May they all be fortunate and live well and be protected, and may nothing bad happen to them. So that is the basic the Pavitana, just wishing well to all beings. 
But then this continues and quite fascinating and the Buddha says you know, that the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha are limitless, boundless, infinite because their virtues and qualities you know, are boundless and infinite. But all the creepy crawlies, snakes, lizards, centipedes, you know, they are uh, very limited. So may they walk away. Patikamantu Bhutani. So hang namo bhagavato namo satanang samasambudhanang. May those beings go away. And my homage to the Bhagavan, my homage to the seven Buddhas. It's an interesting paritta because it mentions the seven Buddhas in this eon. But it's also fascinating that it still says, may those beings go away. So it's not necessarily a contradiction. You wouldn't want to have a taipan or a bound snake in your house or in your bedroom. That doesn't mean matter that you have to invite you know, the uh, centipedes and scorpions and poisonous snakes you know, into your bedroom. It's quite okay to have the aspiration and may they go to a more conducive environment. The Kanda Parita is also good if you ever get bitten by a snake, if it has already happened, because you have forgotten, you didn't have enough mindfulness to radiate loving kindness. When you got bitten, it's still good to start, because then you will be more calm and uh, the poison will not spread so quickly no, until you get the antivenom. Of course, you should also get the antivenom. No, don't rely only on the Kandaparita. It's good to, to do and no, be safe on both sides. On three sides, no, just be careful where you step. No, but the snakes is a good example. No, even dangerous beings, even beings which may potentially kill us, even the latest bogeyman in the propaganda, we have loving-kindness to all beings. And loving-kindness should be appamanya, limitless, boundless, infinite. That refers both spatially, so we spread loving-kindness in all directions. doesn't matter whether they're here at Damagiri or anywhere in Brisbane or in Melbourne or in the US or Europe or China or anywhere on Earth. Even if they're on Mars or Venus or somewhere in Andromeda galaxy or some very remote galaxy absolutely everywhere. That's actually the easier part I find it incredibly easy to have loving kindness to beings in another galaxy because they never get onto my nerves, isn't it? <laughs> Often the tough ones are the ones which are close to us. Family, spouse, children, parents, in-laws, colleagues, boss, employees. It's quite amazing the people who are closer, often the more difficult ones and the ones far away.
but should also be boundless in terms you know, of classes of beings, cute koalas and ugly cane toads, disgusting cockroaches, and cute kids uh, or kittens or puppies. This is loving kindness if you can feel the same friendliness to a cockroach like to a cute little puppy or kitten. Cockroaches are actually amazing. If you study them, they have, I think they're the fastest runners in proportion to their size. Compared to their body size, I think nothing else can run as fast as a cockroach. I think I read that once. And they can survive almost anything. Speculation in a nuclear war, maybe one of the few creatures surviving. And they can uh, digest almost anything, including other dead cockroaches, even their own excrement. They can, I think, recycle three or four times. So quite amazing creatures. And very important that loving kindness is unconditional. Often we like to make deals. Ne? I'm kind to you, and you're kind to me back. It sounds like a reasonable deal. Ne? And we usually don't like the deal that someone else is unkind, even brutal to us, and we are kind to them. But loving-kindness is nothing about making these kind of deals. It's unconditional. You don't demand anything back. That's a big difference, for example, compared to the love you can get, say, from a parent. A parent usually has this incredible goodwill to us. But you can notice usually that this comes with quite a few strings attached, isn't it? The love of a parent has quite a bit of expectations. Or the love of a spouse, so much love until you forgot the wedding anniversary. Ne? So much love until you forget the birthday. And it's amazing if we can ever experience a great Dhamma practitioner and someone who has really developed loving kindness. And ideally, it was even developed the inside so that they have abandoned the delusion of self. And they have really pure loving kindness without any strings attached, without any bargain, without any expectation. Someone who just wishes you well, completely independent from how you respond to it, whether you respond or you don't respond, or you respond with anger or you just ignore them. You can feel you know, this loving kindness is, is there all the time, and whatever you do, you could never reduce that or stop that. Feels quite uh, amazing. So it's good you know, to learn to train ourselves and you know, not to demand anything for our loving kindness. Give it freely. Sometimes we may hold back because we feel someone doesn't deserve our loving-kindness. This is such a nasty person. It feels almost wrong. 
You know what I mean? We have to notice now if that occurs. And we have to remember the teaching of the Buddha. No, no one is ever too nasty for radiating loving kindness to them. Doesn't mean that we are condoning their actions. It's important to distinguish that. When I ask, do you have loving kindness for Putin? And someone says, yes. That doesn't mean that they are supporting or condoning or encouraging whatever unskillful action he may be doing. Or the same for Biden or Zelensky or whoever is in power positions. That only means that we are wishing them well. If you ever find it hard to develop loving kindness to a difficult person, you can adjust your aspiration. You can say something like, may you be free from anger. May you be free from enmity. May you be filled with loving kindness. I find that much easier not to direct that to a difficult person. But always keep in mind, it doesn't mean condoning or supporting unskillful actions. If you can wish them, then may you abandon all unwholesome actions, may you abandon all evil, may you start doing only good things. And it's easier to direct it to someone difficult. And it's impossible for anyone to be so bad that they shouldn't get loving kindness. This is why the Buddha gave the famous simile of the saw. Have you heard of the Kakachupama Sutta? The simile of the saw? What does it mean? Is they cutting? Exactly. Even as murderers, gangsters, terrorists were to saw off your limbs one by one, as someone who got angry and would not be fully following the teaching of the Buddha. Even there, the Buddha recommends loving kindness. Now, this is often a shocking simile for many people. Because immediately you ask, now how can I have loving kindness to someone cutting off my arms and legs? But my understanding is it's not given so much for that thing to really happen. Because it has never happened to me so far, and I also don't know anyone, at least personally, who has ever had that experience, and I think it's generally quite rare. But I think the simile is mostly aiming at this excuse which we have in our mind for righteous indignation. Do you know what is the meaning of righteous indignation? We're getting angry, but we have an excuse. We feel this is where one should be angry because they do something really bad. And this is why I should be angry. If someone does something so nasty, it is good and right to be angry. Now, this is a wrong view. And I think this simile especially meant that we don't have any escape to argue for righteous indignation. 
because what could they do possibly worse than slowly sawing off our arms and legs? And if even then the Buddha doesn't support Maitra's indignation, getting angry at someone doing something bad, even then he doesn't support it. We can't find any excuse ever. It's meant to close this loophole. I mean, some people can get angry at anyone, anytime, but people who are already in a little bit more good-hearted, they usually notice and are aware that anger is a bad thing. And they feel usually bad if they get angry, except if the person is really so bad that I should get angry. <laughs> this is his excuse. Because we like not to find an excuse for being angry, a justification. I'm not angry, but this person needs to be taught a lesson. <laughs> and this simile is meant to close that argument. There's nothing at all which we ever can argue that we should be angry. It's a good practice. You can go out. And once you go away from Damagiri, for the rest of the day, you go out a little bit like one of these boxers. Have you ever seen when the boxers go into a champion match? When they're boasting beforehand? And they say, oh, this, this opponent, I could eat three of them before breakfast. Because they have to psych themselves up into the fight. Now, obviously they know it will be quite tough. So you can psych yourself up and you go out and you say, okay, today, Saturday, I want to see anyone challenging my loving kindness. Can anyone succeed today in arousing some anger or irritation in me? I want to see that. I practice loving kindness today, come what may. And then see how you're going. And you're just waiting for an opportunity that someone gets a little bit provocative, that someone starts irritating you a bit. Bring it on. Have you ever gone out with that attitude? Have you ever gone to work with that attitude? Have you ever gone into a meeting with your boss or some other difficult meeting with that attitude? Or visiting your in-laws, visiting your mom-in-law with that attitude? Okay, bring it on. Today I have loving-kindness, come what may. And then you go in with that resolution. And then you see. You make a big difference. It's a really good game. Much better than playing video games. Give that game a try. And if you're successful, you can increase the difficulty. You can ask your kids or someone else to provoke you a little bit. <laughs> and try it out. Although usually that's not even necessary. There's enough people who will step onto our toes anyhow. So if you reflections I like to offer on the practice of metta, the advantages of metta, 
What do you think? What feels better? Wishing well to others or being angry? What feels better? Does it feel nice being angry? So why the heck do we get angry? Ne? It's bad for us ourselves. And why don't we practice loving kindness all the time when it feels so good? It's hard to explain. Ne? Insist on getting angry, and although it feels immediately bad and unpleasant, and on top we're usually creating the more unpleasantness for others and so easy you know, to create difficulties and bad karma. On the other hand, loving kindness and the feet so good. So what's stopping us from doing it? So any comments or questions, anything? Next time a mozzie comes. Can you watch him biting? Ramming the little what do you call that? The, the sting or the whatever they're using there. Uh, ramming that into your skin and you feel it is really unpleasant. Can you just watch that? Ten, twenty minutes can take sometimes a long time till he's finished. And just radiate loving kindness. No, this is really wrong. This is my blood. Shouldn't do that. Fair enough, he shouldn't do that. But even if he does that, loving kindness. You can radiate loving kindness and request him to move away. That is all okay, but not being angry. Does anyone have any nice experience to share from their loving-kindness practice? Or how do you challenge yourself to do loving-kindness? Sometimes an amazing response is the loving-kindness, I think, is a meditation object where you may see uh, the response first. You may actually notice a difference more than with other meditation objects, particularly with animals. Animals, you know, they are, depending on their instincts you know, to survive, they have to be able to identify danger, and you know, their life depends on that. So they're often pretty good, and if you have loving kindness, you know, animals may be the first to notice. And the shy cat may be going exactly to you, jumping on your lap. That can happen quite easily when I practice loving-kindness. Is any, everyone very quiet? Everyone practicing loving-kindness? Might come to you, uh, 
Yes, I'm just mentioning that if uh, we develop meta to a person who is a little bit hostile or difficult, it may happen that after some time that they may come and become more friendly to you. Now that can happen, but be careful that you don't expect it. Because if you do the loving kindness and with the expectation they should change now, that can already taint it a little bit. But if you have very strong, pure loving kindness, I, I agree, you know, that can actually happen. But keep in mind, you need very strong loving kindness for that. And particularly humans can be quite thick sometimes. And you may need you know, a lot of loving kindness to really change a very difficult person. But it is possible. And we should never give up on anyone. Exactly. In terms of technique, you know, if someone is really difficult, often it's better to first get your loving kindness going by thinking about an easy person, someone you really like. And you use the person you really like to get your loving kindness strong, and then you radiate it to more people you like. And once your loving kindness is already well established in your heart, then you bring to mind the difficult person. Because if you go straight away to the difficult one, you may end up getting angry rather than loving kindness. So it's easier if we first start with easy people. And once the loving kindness is well established in our heart, then you do it to the even hostile one. And sometimes you can actually notice a change in behavior, I agree. But it has to be very good loving kindness. Patience and loving kindness are somewhat related. The patience is more like the enduring, enduring patience. So if someone is provoking us, at least we are not getting angry. At least we are not lashing out. Now that is more patience. And then meta is even topping the patience by having a positive attitude. But of course, if you develop patience, you will also find it much easier to develop metta. And when you have metta, you will be much more patient. So they support each other. It's two qualities which support each other mutually. Because a patient person, they're not getting angry, they're not fighting back, trying to take revenge and so on. So it's much easier than to develop metta. And if you have loving kindness and even to those who hurt and harm you, it's also easier again to be patient. And very important, there's actually one person which can be sometimes amazingly difficult to have loving kindness. Do you know that one person? Sometimes tougher than Putin. You, exactly, you yourself. Because loving kindness has to include ourselves. And quite a few people can be very critical with themselves. But no, we are also living beings, so to really practice loving kindness, you have to wish yourself well, unconditionally. Whatever much you may have messed up or whatever you feel, we have on negative qualities because we know ourselves 
to quite some extent, so we are often aware of the shortcomings and uh, old mistakes and and so on, but it doesn't matter. Because loving kindness is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you have done or not done, or what many power means you have, or what defilements is irrelevant. Any other? Okay, then I let you go out. The challenge, <laughs> the Saturday challenge. Can anyone disturb my loving kindness this Saturday? And if it's quarter to midnight and you feel you have won the challenge today, just go to YouTube and look for a speech of your least favorite politician and try whether you can listen to that politician for 15 minutes radiating loving-kindness. And if you can, then you really won that day. <laughs> Good luck with that.